It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. This is Forward Thinking. I'm Isabella Melking. Should we really be using baby talk words with toddlers? Linguists at the University of Edinburgh have been researching the use of baby talk words, and Dr. Barbara Scarabella is one of them. Barbara and her colleagues recently did a study which found that words like choo-choo help toddlers pick up language quicker than adult language alone. Let's talk to Barbara and find out a little bit more about this research into children's language development. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. Hello, Isabella. Thank you for having me on the show. So I was just wondering, could you explain a little bit about your background and how you got into the field of language development? So my, I guess my initial interest in language development probably started in my childhood experience, growing up in Czechoslovakia mm-hmm. and hearing Slovak, Czech, Slovak in the environment, Polish on the radio, mm-hmm. on TV, learning Russian in school, later English, hearing songs in English, German, Italian, French on TV, radio. So there, there were many opportunities to hear different sounds. Mm. And I was always interested in hearing noises I did not understand, trying to guess the meaning. That sounds a lot more diverse than what you hear here in the UK. Indeed. On the radio and TV. Uh, wow. And I wonder whether that is why most Czech speakers would find it pretty common to learn uh, another language. Um, so there were, there were many opportunities. Plus, as a speaker of a small nation, you don't mm-hmm. expect that others would learn your language. So we would learn other languages to connect with the outside world, especially at the time when I was growing up. But I think going back to the question of um, specifically language development, I think that this childhood experience stayed with me and led me to studying linguistics. And as a postgraduate student at Boston University, I discovered the field of language development, language acquisition, with all the theories and data. But ultimately, I think what got me hooked on child language, specifically child language development, was the discovery of language with my children Mm -hmm. at home, witnessing the process live day by day and the hard work and practice that came with it, um, because that was very different from what I read in books on language acquisition. Did they present it in a more kind of linear, simplistic way in the academic text compared to what you experienced with your children in real life? Um, language acquisition is typically described as fast and oh, okay. effortless. And while it might be effortless for children, there is a lot of practice. It takes a while for them to become the fluent speakers that we tend to focus on when we do linguistics. And I started viewing the journey as much more bumpy and more influenced by what children hear around them in the environment. So recently you co-authored a study on baby talk showing that words like bunny and choo-choo actually help babies build their vocabulary more quickly. So was this a surprising finding or do you think that parents have always suspected this? That's a good one um, because there are 
two parts to the answer here. Um, one, me as a parent, uh-huh. and one as a, as a researcher. Mm-hmm. So to answer the question, I'll take you back to when my daughter, who is now in high school, was nine months old. And we were in a playground in Victoria Park in Edinburgh, um, having a nice day out. And a friend of mine, also Czech, made a comment about my use of baby talk words. So, you know, why I would be using words like doggy or woof woof or choo-choo instead of the grown-up proper words. Yes, like train for choo-choo. That's right. Well done. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And well, this friend of mine commented and said, well, you should be using proper words. Mm. This is not good. And that caught me by surprise for two reasons. One, I wasn't aware that I was using these words Mm. with my daughter. And two, it had never occurred to me that I would not be doing the right thing for my daughter when I was talking to her and using these words. And so this really triggered my interest in the topic because as a linguist, even though I was, you know, Finnish linguist, I didn't know much about what else there was, um, what other researchers, what other linguists would think about baby talk words. Mm. So it's just something that came naturally to you as a parent, like using the baby talk words without you realizing you were saying... Absolutely. I never, I never questioned the way I was talking to my daughter. I was just trying to be loving and interactive. (laughs) And that's what came out. These words were just part of the interaction. And so I started looking into um, the literature. I started asking other people what they thought about baby talk words. And um, we found many opinions particularly in magazines, parent magazines from North America, that baby talk words are indeed detrimental for your child's language development. But when we were sieving through everything, we realized that people were just expressing their opinions and there was not much research done on the topic. And so it seemed like... There's a bit of a gap there. That's a gap in the market. (laughs) And um, we thought this was a great opportunity to look into it. Definitely piqued by my interest as a parent. Mm. Um, So I wanted to know if I was harmful for my children. So did you start researching baby talk when your daughter was young, when she was, you know, around nine months old? Yeah. Or shortly thereafter? (laughs) Or how long did it take you? Oh, it took, oh, well, um, she is 12 now. (laughs) And we are talking about it. Um, So it was a long process. We started exploring different ideas and collecting all sorts of evidence of what there is available, why people have these very strong reactions either mm. for or against using baby talk words. So who were you working with at that time? I was initially, the project started with Ms. Ota, and um, this has grown into a team that eventually Nicola Davies Jenkins joined as a researcher once Mitz got a grant to really get the study going with the support of an ESRC grant. Mm. So all Edinburgh-based researchers? Yes, Edinburgh-based researchers. And so how did it develop from there once you started, once you found these people that wanted to collaborate on this research? So Mitz is a speaker of Japanese. Mm -hmm. I'm a speaker of Czech. We knew of baby talk words in English and in these languages, 
we discovered that baby talk words look suspiciously similar. So in English, you have choo-choo and many repetitions like mama, mummy, papa, mm-hmm. yeah, poo-poo and pee-pee. And in Czech too, there is pee-pee, but with a very different meaning. We use it to refer to a bird. A word like papu can refer to food. Otherwise, the adult version would be something like jídlo. So we realize that these words are pretty much in all the languages we ask people about. And we realize that they are only a small pocket of them, between 20 to 60 conventionalized words or words that other speakers of that language community would recognize, not necessarily use, but recognize. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there were some papers coming out showing that newborn babies are sort of highly attracted to sounds with repeated syllables, Mm -hmm. that these kind of sound combinations where you have sound repetition, they leave memory traces, Mm. even in in newborns as young as three to five days. And so we thought, okay, so this looks interesting. We have these repeated sound combinations um, Mm -hmm. that are used as words instead of the adult alternatives Mm. um, across different languages. And does it also help that they sound like the word? Ah, so like choo-choo is like that's what the sound that the train makes, no, that's right? What you is think that a... in English? Ah, okay. <laughs> um, but there's a hypothesis, or some researchers point out that these sound symbolic onomatopoeic words mm-hmm. do indeed reflect in some ways what the words stand for. Mm-hmm. So that would help them to build the vocabulary. We can come back to this later Mm -hmm. because it turns out that it's not as straightforward for these kind of words. So how do we know that baby talk words are okay? So let's go back to the the study. So what we did, we ran a few experimental studies in our lab with babies who were nine months and then babies who were 18 months testing whether or not there is indeed something special about words that have repeated syllables that look Mm -hmm. like, you know, mama, dada. And um, in both of these projects, we did find that at nine months, babies did find them easier to detect Mm -hmm. in short stories and remember. And we didn't ask them for their opinions um, at nine months. (laughs) Uh, What we did, we used a method called central fixation, where babies sit on their parents' lap in our laboratory, in a sound-treated room, and they're looking at a TV screen with a centrally presented image. The image we use is this, what we describe as a pulsing green ball. And the idea is that if babies look at the ball, at Mm -hmm. the central image, then it signals that there is something interesting they're listening to. So they're listening to... Mm. um, different kind of audio stimuli. So they, they respond to the visual stimuli right. if they're interested in That's what right. they're hearing. Okay. That's right. So there's a link between what they're listening to and what their eyes are doing. So we are not mm-hmm. asking them mm-hmm. to verbalize. We are, in fact, not asking them anything. We are just monitoring their mm-hmm. eye gaze and what it is they are focusing on. Mm-hmm. And that's how you've come to the conclusion that they're interested in baby talk words. Yes. Specifically in words that have repeated syllables. So 
whether they would prefer made-up words like nini compared to another made-up word where it would be something like nifu, mm-hmm. but not nini. And in, in the older children that we tested at 18 months, there we actually focused on the question of, are these words with repeated syllables easier to learn? So to learn a word, you're not just learning the sound. Mm-hmm. We also learned the meaning behind it. And the way we did that was that we introduced some, again, made-up sounds, two groups of sounds or words, one that had repeated syllables, the other one that didn't have repeated syllables. And we showed these 18-month-old toddlers, babies, novel images, and we were measuring after a few trials, after they saw each sound combination with a new novel image, whether or not they learned what they meant. So they didn't see the green pulsing ball? This was a different paradigm. This is what we call the preferential looking paradigm. Okay. Where they, in the testing trials, they're looking at two images and they either hear, can you see the nini? Mm -hmm. Or can you see the nifu? And then again, we are measuring their eye gaze, what it is that they are focusing on, on the TV screen. But it'll just be a random image. It wouldn't be random, it would be novel. So something that we would introduce to them in what we call the familiarization session. So we train them. Ah, so they'll recognize this. So the question was, would they? Okay, (laughs) Or would there one particular sound combination, one particular word that would be easier Mm -hmm. to learn Mm -hmm. after two or three minutes of exposure? in a lab environment with no help from parents. In other words, we were testing, are some words easier to map to meanings Mm -hmm. than other words? And again, what we found here was that this kind of word learning was easier with reduplicated words or words with repeated syllables, like nini. Okay. So they were easier for the babies to grasp yes yes and yeah. that way they could expand their vocabulary faster in theory or is so this was, too far? this was done <laughs> this was done in another study mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. this is where nicola davies jenkins steps in because she was our remarkable research assistant who coordinated and collected data from families 50 families in edinburgh over a long period of time we started with the families when they had a baby who was nine months old. Then Nicola visited the families again when their baby was 15 months old. And then again at 21 months. And uh, she would clip little microphones to the parents. And we would record short interactions between the parents as they are talking to their babies at these three different time points. And then we had an amazing group of, and we still do, of students who are helping to transcribe this data. We've had an amazing group of undergraduate students. Some of them have graduated and are now pursuing their degrees in speech pathology, but others are still here and still transcribing. So this is an opportunity for students at PeopleLess. So could they get involved in We Science Research? There is an opportunity for students to join MITS OTA and the team in the Edinburgh Laboratory for Language Development. And that's part of the We Science Consortium. 
uh, we have more data to transcribe. There is data to code. And yeah, everyone participates. And at some point, students are trained and encouraged mm-hmm. to help us with running experiments, recruit participants, mm-hmm. all the different tasks that are involved in running a research project. That's um, great that they can be involved in transcribing data you know, that ultimately becomes published papers. Oh, it's, it's, it's really very good. exciting. It is also boring at times <laughs> <laughs> because there are many files and a lot of data. On the other hand, I think it's a great learning opportunity because you do hear how parents and infants, you can really monitor mm-hmm. how the interactions change, to what extent there is variation between different families. So what did you find oh. from the 50, the 50 babies that you studied? The babies who heard more baby talk words, or maybe baby talk-like words from their parents at nine months, had larger vocabularies Mm. at 21 months. So this was an indication that baby talk words might not be detrimental and harmful for babies of this age, but in fact, they might help um, Mm. vocabulary growth. And the idea, so going back to the hypothesis we were testing, was not only whether baby talk words are easier to learn, but in fact, whether baby talk words might function as an anchor to learning other kinds of words. So basically something to help them learn more words. That's right. Yes. Yes. So not only that you will learn and you will understand mama, but also it might help you to discover words of a different kind. Mm -hmm. So like papa? But no, that's that's not a good example because that's also baby talk words. Yeah, so, so. so parents never use only baby talk words. In fact... What we found in our corpus is that words with repeated syllables and diminutives like doggy and similar types of words constitutes 2 to 4% of the input. So mm, these are really, small. really small, yeah. tiny pocket of vocabulary. Um, so it's kind of funny that people actually have these emotional reactions and worries about them, because obviously we supply loads of other kinds of words. To young infants, it would be tough going, having a conversation in baby talk words only. <laughs> um, so the idea is that toddlers or infants learn not only diminutives about doggies and tummies and choo-choos, but also other kinds of words, including words like train and the adult alternatives. So what are diminutives, just to clarify? Diminutives are words, so you have the grown-up version dog. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when we talk about the animal with other adults, we use the word dog. But then we can also use a word like doggy. Basically, it's baby talk. Baby talk and words, is you, that, you could call it that? Yeah, it's, yeah. well, it's, it's not. I mean, we do use the word doggy when it's a small dog, mm-hmm. um, for example. <laughs> <laughs> So not strictly just words that you would use with babies. But very often with babies. Very often. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. So there, there are some specific diminutives that we found in our Edinburgh corpus. Like we had parents who would, instead of blanket, they would use the word blanky. Mm. I don't know how common that is for adults. Um, no. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's yeah. as common. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, or brekkie for breakfast. Mm. Um So these would be words with this E ending. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea with them is that these are kind of helpful words because they 
signal a word boundary. Mm-hmm. And so just to finish up our talk here, based on your research that you've been involved in, what advice would you give to parents? So new parents wishing to boost their baby's vocabulary. Oh, I think I would just say talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> don't <laughs> um, ignore them. <laughs> don't. Yes, they love attention. I think that paying attention, engaging them, whether or not you use baby talk words, I think that it's really the interaction that drives their learning. Books help rhymes and songs. And if you do use baby talk words, you don't have to worry. Great. All right. Thank you so much, Barbara, for joining us at the Forward Thinking Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thanks. If you want to know more about the topics discussed in this podcast, follow the links on the Forward Thinking blog at forwardthinking.ppls.ed.ac.uk. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes for more research news and views from philosophy, psychology and language sciences here at the University of Edinburgh. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah.